we're going to see what God's word has to say about us, not treating people as individuals, but judging them by the group of people that they belong to. I will upgrade your faith. I'm Luke Gradless. This is one of our bite-sized Bible studies. If you haven't been here before, our goal is to spend a few minutes together in God's word, let it activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. As always, my hope is, is that this is not the totality of your study today, but that this is a jumping off point, that you watch this video and it leads you to pick up the Bible, jump into the book, pour yourself into it, pray about it, meditate on it, really study what God's word has to say here. We find ourselves in our journey through the book of James, and we are now in James chapter 2. Again, it's James chapter 2. Let's go ahead and jump in and see what the word has to say. My brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. If you look with favor on the man wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you dishonored that poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into their courts? Don't they blaspheme the noble name that was pronounced over you at your baptism? Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the entire law, yet fails one point, is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you are a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So let's break this down because there's, there's two major points that you see in James chapter 2. And this first is this topic of partiality. And so the example being used here is rich and poor. But it, it the wisdom is much bigger than just rich or poor. The wisdom that God is giving us is he's telling the people who are the church that when people walk amongst you, you don't treat them, you don't judge them, you don't show a favoritism or partiality based on some superficial thing about them. You are to treat them as a human being that was created in the image of God, that is an image bearer of the Lord, and especially if they are part of the church, who treat them as someone who is your brother or sister in faith. And so whether it's you being rich or poor, whether it's you being black or white, Whatever it is that we are seeing and that we are treating you different by, clearly what he is showing here in James chapter 2 is that is sin. And this goes both ways on the spectrum. It's an important thing for us to understand because it talks to both those who have been racist or are racist and immediately see somebody's skin color and start to treat them like a lesser human being. In doing that, we are clearly going against the word of God. We are not treating that person with love. We are not showing them the respect that is necessary towards someone who is an image bearer of the Lord. And it also goes to those who you now see with critical race theory trying to do anti-racism and going the other way. 
and saying, oh, well, because you're a minority, we are going to elevate you. We are going to treat you different. In the church, there is no room for that. Whatever race or nationality, whatever ethnicity we are, however much money we make or how little we make, however we dress, those things are all pushed aside because we are united not by the blood that runs through our veins, but by the blood that has washed us clean, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is he that now covers us and makes us brothers and sisters of the faith. And this has to be a love that we show. The beauty of the church is that you are supposed to be able to walk into the church and see people of all races, of all ethnicities, of all kinds of different cultures, but see them there brought together and united in a love for God and a love for each other. Let's continue in verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you didn't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. Foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Was it Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Also in the same way was Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And so in the second half of chapter two, James starts to address another very important topic, and that's the relationship between faith and works. We know that we are saved by faith only, right? You cannot earn your way to heaven. There's no resume you can build. There's no amount of good works that you could do that can ever earn your way into heaven. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying, though, is some had begun to say that because they had faith, meaning they, they mentally acknowledged that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and that he rose three days later, because they mentally acknowledged that, they were saying that was all that was needed. It didn't matter how they lived their lives. It didn't matter if they sinned. It didn't matter if they ran completely against everything God had ever said or asked. As long as they believed those statements, they were good. And so what James is pulling out here is that's not possible and that's not true, right? And, and so he uses a couple interesting examples. He says, first and foremost, if it's just about mental knowledge, Satan and his demons know exactly who Jesus is, right? Satan knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows that he died for our sins. He knows that he rose from the dead. He knows that he sits on a throne next to his Father. Satan and his demons know all those facts, but we can guarantee they will not be in heaven because it's not just about mental acknowledgement of a truth. It's that that truth leads you to have a faith, a trust. And what you say is, Lord, I give my life to you 
and I now obey you and follow you. And so the point that he's making is, yes, you're saved by faith, but if you have genuine faith, if you truly have fallen on your knees, you have given up your life where you were in charge, and you've accepted that Jesus Christ is your Lord, Savior, and Master, and you are now living to pursue him and his mission, it is going to show itself in your life. It is going to show itself because that faith that he has put in you, it has no choice but to generate good works in your life. And so what we should see is it's not the works that save us, but the faith that is in us, if it's real, the way it shows itself is by pouring out of us into these good things that we do and the way that we love others, the way that we love God, the way that we obey the commands. And so we need to be careful, right? Because if we see in our lives, friends, family members, or even ourselves saying, well, I know what this book says, but there is absolutely no evidence in our lives that we are living differently, then something is broken in our relationship with God and something is weak in our faith. This doesn't mean that you and I will always be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin each and every day. But if we look at the trend of our lives, what people should see is those are people of faith who are pursuing and running after God with everything they have. They don't do it perfectly. And sometimes they fall flat on their face. But when they do, they get back up, they repent, and they keep running with the Lord as hard and as fast as they can. And so brothers and sisters, don't be caught in a world where you go, well, I know the right things. That's all that matters. No, put your faith to work and show through your deeds that you are a servant of Jesus Christ and that you are living to love him and to love the people around you. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. May God bless you. May God use you. And we will see you soon.